The following audio is from LifePoint Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about LifePoint Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. Well, hey, good morning. Good morning. Everybody doing good? All right, if you've got Bibles, go ahead and grab those. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 3. Uh, let me just tell you, welcome to Life Point Church. My name's Eric. I'm the lead teaching pastor here, uh, and it is an honor uh, to have you with us this morning. Everybody made it through the snowpocalypse over the last two weeks. All right, I really missed you last week. It feels like we haven't done church in a little while, uh, and so I'm kind of amped up this morning, uh, and we're going to get uh, right into it. Back in the fall, uh, we started a sermon series in the book of Hebrews, and we're one of those churches that likes to go through books of the Bible because we don't like to skip over verses that most people like to avoid, uh, and so what we're going to do is we're going to continue through the book of Hebrews all the way to Easter. We took a little break uh, for Christmas, uh, but what we're going to do is we're going to be uh, in Hebrews 3. I'm going to kind of recap where we've been the last uh, couple of weeks in the book of Hebrews. Book of Hebrews was really written to a group of people who kind of struggle with understanding their salvation. A, a group of people who kind of struggle with what it means to really have a relationship with God or what it means to actually uh, be assured that we're going to heaven and that we're saved. And, and so, listen, the more I talk to people, the more I listen to people, the more that I interact with people, I realize that, that there is a confusion really about God. There's a confusion about who God is and how he reacts to people and how he interacts with people. And there's a confusion really of what it means to be saved or really to take hold of the salvation that God offers to each one of us. And so this book is a primary book for us because what happens is when we get false ideas about God or we get false ideas about what it means to have a relationship with God, all of a sudden uh, we're, we're lacking in strength, we're lacking in confidence, we're lacking in hope, we're lacking in strength that we need to know that we are God's children and we are part of his family. And so the book of Hebrews was written to talk to us about assurance of our salvation The book of Hebrews was written so that we wouldn't be confused about what it means to have a relationship with God and how can we be assured that we are his and his children. Now, I know that when it comes to salvation and being made right before God, am I going to go to heaven or not? There's this confusion. And so what happens is we think, we make up these false ideas. We think that somehow in order for me to get to God, I've got to be a good boy. Or I've got to be a good girl. I've got to, I've got to do the things that God tells me to do. And, and so I've got to keep the commandments. I've got to walk the line. I've got to sit up straight, talk the talk, walk the walk. Or else God's going to get me in the end. And so what happens is, is we get these false ideas and we miss out on our relationship. And, and so here's what's interesting about the book of Hebrews. In, in Hebrews chapter 1, there is not one rule to follow. There's not one command to obey in the entire first chapter. What we find is that the entire first chapter is a declaration of Jesus. And I think the reason that is, is because if your confidence in your salvation or your confidence, your hope in your relationship with God, and listen, it never starts with behavior. Your right standing before God doesn't start with what you do or what you don't do. Are you following me with that? It starts with Jesus. Jesus is the beginning. Jesus is the end. He is the author. He is the finisher of all of our faith. And so if we start with the commands or the rules or do this and don't do this, then a lot of times we're always wondering, is God pleased with me today? Did I do a good job today, God? 
And so we need the confidence that comes in Jesus. The entire first chapter is a declaration of truth. The entire first chapter is that God has spoken to us and the message is Jesus. Right off the bat, look at it with me. Hebrews 1.1. It says, long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. And so here's the deal. It starts off with, hey, Jesus is the message. And when it refers to last days, he's saying, listen, there's not another message besides Jesus. All messages from here on forward, since we're in the last days, all messages point to Jesus. All messages point to the salvation that Jesus brings. And so God not only speaks, listen, through the voice of Jesus, but God speaks a message by sending Jesus. You're with me on that? Jesus is the message. And so then the first chapter is followed by 13 verses about Jesus. This is, this is super powerful. It says that Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the message. He's the creator of all things. He's the radiance of the glory of God. It says that Jesus is actually the exact representation, the exact imprint of God. You want to know who God is? You want to know what God is like? You want to see God, understand God, hear God? That's Jesus. It goes on. It continues to say he's the exact representation of his nature. He holds all things together by the word of his power. He makes purification for sins. That's good news for us sinners, right? He makes purifications for sins. He sat down at the right hand of God. That Jesus is greater than the angels because the angels worship him. The angels follow him. The angels minister by him. He sends them out to minister to the world. And he is the mighty, eternal God, the entire first chapter is that Jesus is better. And if you're asking the question, better than what? He's better than everything. <laughs> Jesus is better than everything. So it's not until chapter 2 that we actually see the first command. It's not until chapter 2 that we actually see the first thing that we must do in order to be assured of our salvation. Most people who are confused about salvation, they say, well, this is what I need to do to get to God. This is what I need to do to make sure that God's pleased with me. But listen, listen to the command that's found in chapter 2. Look, it says chapter 2 begins with the word, therefore. Now, let me pause right there, because anytime you see the word, therefore, in the Bible, what's the question you have to ask? That's right. What's the therefore, therefore? And so really the author is saying because of chapter one, because Jesus is better than everything. Jesus is the creator. Jesus is the sustainer. Jesus holds all things together. Jesus makes purifications for sins. Since Jesus is better than the angels, since Jesus is better, therefore, here's the command, pay close attention to what you've heard. That's it. If Jesus is better, if Jesus is the purifier of sins, if Jesus is the one that makes us right before God, listen, here's the command. Pay attention to Jesus. That's it. That's the beauty of our salvation. If we think our salvation is based on something other than Jesus, then we'll always wonder. And so chapter 2 says, listen, Jesus is better, so listen to Jesus. Pay attention to Jesus, lest you drift away from the gospel, that's what it says. Lest you drift away from the invitation that Jesus has for you. The command throughout the entire Bible equates salvation to belief, faith, listen, follow, trust Jesus for you. 
So in order to have a confidence in our salvation and a confidence in our heavenly calling, we need to pay attention to Jesus. And so then you have the rest of chapter 2 saying, Jesus, salvation, command-keeping, sin-destroying, wrath-absorbing, death-defeating, life-giving work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. Which brings us to chapter 3. You with me on that? Here we go. Chapter 3. Starts with the word. Therefore. Now, what's the question we have to ask? What's the therefore, therefore? It's chapter 2, right? And so here's, here's the answer. Listen, if salvation comes through the wrath-absorbing work, the sin-destroying work, the death-defeating work, the life-giving work of Jesus Christ, therefore, what's it say? Holy brothers. Therefore, brothers, those of you who share in a heavenly calling, here's the command. Consider Jesus. That's the command. Consider Jesus. Ponder Jesus. Think about Jesus. The main encouragement through the entire book of Hebrews is to consider Jesus. Throughout the entire book is, hey, consider Jesus. You want confidence in your salvation? You want strength to know you have a relationship with God? You want to know where your hope is? Consider Jesus. Chapter one is Jesus is sent by God. Jesus is the messenger. Jesus is better than everything. Chapter two, focus on Jesus. Ponder Jesus. Think of Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Chapter three, consider Jesus. All throughout, it's ponder. Set your mind on. Fix your eyes on Jesus. So let me just tell you what that means for us. If you've walked in here this morning and you're anxious or you're unsure or maybe your life is on shaky ground and you just simply need some peace. If you're not quite stable in your relationship with God, if your, your mind and your faith is acting like a, a compass in a world full of magnets just spinning this way and that way, here's the encouragement, okay? Set your north pole to Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Consider Jesus. Follow me because, listen, the text is an encouragement to brothers. Let me say that again. The text is an encouragement to Christians. Now, that seems kind of weird because most people, when you talk about considering Jesus, aren't you talking about those who are far from God? Aren't you talking about the wicked, the evildoers, you know, the people who don't go to church, right? On Sunday, we do the thing. Aren't you talking about people who, who are lost or, or away or ran away from God? No, no, no. This text is talking about Christians. Christians are people who have believed in their heavenly calling. Christians are people who have received the heavenly calling from God, who have received the grace of God, who have received and believed in Jesus in their behalf. Therefore, he says, he says listen, heavenly brothers, he says, brothers, Listen, there is a heavenly calling that you've received that has come from God. That's why he calls it a heavenly calling. There's a heavenly calling that has come from God, and it leads us to God. Most people think that maybe this is talking about non-Christians, people who don't believe, to consider Jesus. But this is talking to Christians to consider Jesus. So why would he say that? I mean... Aren't Christians naturally people who always consider Jesus? 
No. No, I don't know about you, but I need constant encouragement to consider Jesus. I need constant encouragement to say, hey, hey, you know that thing that you're chasing? Jesus is better. You know that thing that your heart really desires, that material thing, that, that stuff that, that you're chasing? I need you to consider Jesus. The encouragement is to brothers and sisters. Remember back in 2.1, it says we need to pay attention to Jesus lest we drift away. Listen, it's so easy to get caught up, isn't it? It's so easy to say, you know what? This thing's going to satisfy me. This thing's going to make my life better. This thing's going to help me out. This thing is what I need. This thing is actually the thing. And the encouragement is, hey, hey, Jesus is better. Pay attention to Jesus. Consider Jesus. Brothers, don't drift away. Consider your heavenly calling. Understand your salvation. Jesus is better. Because the world, the world tells us, you know what you need? You need this. Focus on this. You don't need the word of God. You don't need the fellowship of the saints. You don't need the Holy Spirit. You don't need God in your life. You don't need to listen to Jesus. You just need to focus on other things. And so this encouragement is to those of you who are here and sometimes your life is spinning, not knowing which direction to go, an encouragement to just simply consider Jesus. The author says consider Jesus because he knows that deep within every one of us are two great needs. The first great need that we have is a needing to hear God, and the second need we have is needing a way to God. Everyone needs to hear from God, and everyone needs a way to God. That's why we pray all the time, Holy Spirit, will you give me ears to hear, eyes to see? Let me hear your voice. I need to hear you. People need to hear you. They don't need to hear me. I can stand up here all day long and change no one. But God, would you change us? God, would you let us hear your voice, knowing that we want to be near to you? Many say, I have a difficult time hearing God. Many people will say, I'm not sure how I have a relationship with God if I do. We need to hear from God, and we need a way to God. And so if you need to hear from God, or you need to know God, here's your encouragement. Consider Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Pay attention to Jesus, because the text is going to say that Jesus is both. Jesus is both the message from God, and he is our way to God. Look at what it says. He defines Jesus' description in two ways right here. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. Jesus, the apostle. Everyone say apostle. Jesus and the high priest. Everyone say high priest. He says, consider Jesus, the apostle and the high priest of our confession, who is faithful to him, who appointed him, just as Moses was also faithful to God's house. Listen, the apostle means the one who sent. So if you need a message from Jesus, Jesus is the message. If you need a message from God, he's the apostle. The high priest means the one who offers a sacrifice to bring back together reconciliation. So sin, it separates us from God. God is holy, we are not. God is fully righteous, we are not. And so we need a savior. We need a mediator. We need someone to stand in the gap for us and make propitiation for our sins. And Jesus is the high priest who offered himself as a sacrifice so that we could be brought back to God. And so consider Jesus. He is the one who reconciled all things through the blood of the cross. He is the one that's calling this heavenly calling to your heart. He is the one that brings you back into a relationship with God. He's the one that brings it from heaven and takes you to heaven. Consider Jesus. When you consider Jesus, 
as your assurance of salvation? Listen, your confidence in who you are in God increases. Your strength and your hope and your ability to get through even those tough days are found in Jesus because it's not in what you do or don't do. Consider Jesus because he's the apostle. Consider Jesus, he's the high priest. Now, if that's true in your life, your confidence in your salvation and your hope should be strong and secure. But it's not done. Look at it with me. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and the high priest of our confession, who is faithful to him, who appointed him, just as Moses was also faithful in all of God's house. Verse 3. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. So he says, Jesus is better than Moses. As much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. So he says, listen, here's your encouragement. Consider Jesus. Consider Jesus because Jesus is better than Moses. Now, follow me. When you read that, that Jesus is better than Moses, it doesn't necessarily instill in me a great confidence that I'm God's. Jesus is better than Moses. You're a child of God. It doesn't work. But what happens when you consider why Jesus is better than Moses, it can instill in you a great confidence and a great hope. And so let me put it to you this way. Have you ever heard of the term goat? Let me, let me tell you what I mean. That term goat, if you're ever in a debate or a, 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 a conversation about who is the goat, that is a reference to the greatest of all time. You with me on that? And, and so I was in a conversation this week with a friend of mine who we talked about Tom Brady being the goat. Now, I'm not saying you should like him or not like him or whatever, right? But he is pretty successful on the football field. He's the greatest quarterback that has ever played the game. And so we would talk to him, talk about him as the goat. You're with me on that? Okay, so you can have a goat for whatever. You can have uh, the greatest of all time team, the greatest of all time coach, the greatest of all time artist, the greatest of all time athlete. But I think the greatest debate of the goat is one found in basketball. And so when you hear the goat conversation in basketball, it always comes down to two characters, and one of them's not me. <laughs> in case you were thinking that, I just want to clear that up. Who are the two guys? Michael Jordan and LeBron James, right? So any, any channel, any, any conversation, you, you, you Google this, YouTube this, the goat, just to Google the goat. It will say Michael Jordan, LeBron James, list items out. Everyone says it's one of those two guys. Now, uh, I'm not going to tell you who it is, although it is Michael Jordan. Uh, <laughs> th there's always, there's always the, the debate on who is the greatest. Now, now, imagine with me, if you took... Every athlete, every artist, every professional that's ever been, and you line them up on a debate table with Jesus at the end. 
And you gave him a chance to talk and say, hey, okay, Tom, why are you the greatest of all time? Why are you the greatest of all time? And you just simply go down the list. You hand each one of them the microphone. Well, I'm the greatest of all time because I've thrown the most touchdowns. I'm the greatest of all time because I have the most wins. I'm the greatest of all time because I have the most championships. I'm the greatest of all time because I could jump the highest. I could throw the furthest. I'm the greatest of all time because I have the strategy to make sure that I win every time. Listen, you could go down the list and then finally you get to the Jewish man with a beard with scars on his hands and say, what about you, sir? You're here at the table. Why are you the greatest of all time? And Jesus would stand up and he would say, look. He said, I actually made every one of them. I actually see that guy. Uh, I gave him the ability to throw the football. And that guy right there, I gave him the ability to strategize. So he's a good coach. See that guy right there? I gave him ability. This guy right here, I gave, I gave him lungs to breathe and a heart to beat. Actually, I hold all of that together. Actually, I'm the one who gave them the breath to tell you why they're the greatest. And so indirectly, I'm the greatest of all time. That's what Jesus would say. Now, now listen, here, here's my point in telling you all that. Here's my point. My point is by Jesus saying, I'm the greatest because I created all of them and I hold all of them together, in no way does he down any one of them. He doesn't say, oh, well, that's, that's invalid. He says, all of your points are valid. You are great, but I made you. And so in this case, when it says that Jesus is worthy of more glory than Moses, he's not saying what Moses did was not powerful, effective, or, or actually relevant because Moses was very faithful over the house of God. He's not putting down Moses. He's not, he's not saying that what he did was invalid. He's saying, he's saying, listen, I made Moses. I made the law. Actually, I created and formed and hold everything together. So I'm not saying Moses is not good. I'm saying I'm better. Jesus is better because Jesus is the creator of everything. Amen. And Moses... He was one of a kind of his day. He talked to God. He had a relationship with God. He listened to God. He heard the voice of God more than any other prophet. He met with God. And verse 3 is clear that Jesus is counted more worthy than glory than Moses by just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house itself. Hey, consider Jesus because he's the builder of all things. You see, Jesus created the house but Moses was just part of it. Jesus is better. Now, now I want you to have that sink in when it comes to your assurance of your salvation before God. That Jesus is the apostle. He's the message from God. Jesus is the high priest. He's the one who made the sacrifice for you so that you could get to God. He's the one who brought you a heavenly calling he is the one that brings you into the presence. He's the one who actually made a way for you to get to God. Consider Jesus because on Jesus hangs all of your confidence and hope that is in heaven. All of your confidence. Listen, if you're struggling with your confidence with God this morning, if you're struggling in your assurance if you're wondering if your sins are forgiven, if you're wondering, if you're doubting, contemplating, will my faith endure? Will I attain this heavenly calling? Listen, your 
confident depends on you considering Jesus. The more glorious Jesus is, the more confidence and hope you will have in your eternal calling. If Jesus is not glorious, if Jesus is not better, if the law is better, if the works is better, if doing this and doing that is better, then your confidence will rest on the wind blowing here and blowing there, and your confidence will be shaky because it's not in the glory of Jesus. Jesus is the author. Jesus is the finisher. Jesus is more glorious than any law, any command. Consider Jesus. If you grab hold of Jesus with all the faith that is in you, you should have a confidence that he's going to secure you to the end. Moses was part of God's house. Jesus built the house. All right, look what it says because he's not done. Verse 5, Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant. Everyone say servant. For a testimony of those things which were spoken later, but Christ was faithful as a son. Everyone say son. Over his house. So what that means is Moses was a servant in the house of God, but Jesus is a son over the house of God. Are you with me? Now, the difference is that a servant and a, between a servant and a son is that a son, by inheritance, owns the house. The son, by inheritance, is the Lord over the house. You tracking with me on that? And so anything that goes on in the house, the son is over. The son is over the house. He provides for those in the house. If you are a servant in the house, Jesus provides for the house. Jesus is faithful over the house. The servants don't own the house. They don't own anything in the house. The servants follow the word of the master. The servants receive provisions from the owner of the house. Listen, Jesus is faithful over his house. Jesus is faithful over his house. Jesus provides for his house. Look at me. Jesus takes care of his house. Look at what it says next. Jesus is better than Moses. He's the creator of the house. He owns the house. He rules the house. Verse 6, Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are. Now that just applied everything about Jesus to you. You're his house. He takes care of his house. He provides for his house. See, his house is not a place. It's a person. You are. We are his house. God wants you to apply the superiority of Jesus to your life. We are his house. 
Look what it says. If, everyone say if. If we hold fast our confidence and our boast of our hope firm till the end. Now, I need to pause right there. We're going to spend some more time on it next week, but listen to me. That says we are his house if we hold fast, not we will become his house if we hold fast. Let me tell you the difference. One is I'm going to earn this thing by enduring to the end so that I would become his house. The other is the proof or the evidence that I am his house is that I will endure to the end. We are his house, and the evidence of that is that you will hold fast to the end. You will make it to the end. You will endure in hope. You will endure in faith. Your confidence will endure the test of time. Why? Because it's not based on you. You are his house. And the evidence that you are part of the household of God is that you won't drift away from your hope forever. I don't know about you, but there's seasons that my confidence is lower than others. Anybody else? My hope is lower than other, other times, right? But in the end, he takes care of his house. He will not allow me to drift away eternally. He has me in his hands. He who started the good work will see it to completion. Becoming a Christian and being a Christian happen in the same way, hoping in Jesus trusting in Jesus, considering Jesus. That's why it says, Christian, consider Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Hope in Jesus. Pay attention to Jesus. Meaning if we put our minds on Christ and we consider him as the foundation of our hope and we consider him as the foundation of our confidence and we consider him as the steadfastness of our assurance in salvation, then we will hold firm to the end. And so let me just ask you straight up, what are you hoping for? Do you want Jesus to provide something outside of him for you? Or are you hoping that Jesus would be enough? What, are you, what is your confidence in for eternity? What is the foundation of your hope? Is it in, is it in money or, 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 or being fit enough or somehow being good enough or, or, or maybe just good luck? Maybe I'll make the cut, I don't know. May the word of God said on you this morning, consider Jesus. As the band comes and we get ready to respond, I just want to simply tell you this. The Bible's clear that if we put our faith and our trust and our hope in Jesus Christ and him alone, no other work, then we will be his house. That we are his house. That we will be secure in his house through faith. Because he's our maker, he's our owner, he's our ruler, he's our provider. And so listen, if you're considering anything or anyone other than Jesus for your salvation, if you're considering of any other way to God other than Jesus, let me be very clear, then you should not have a confidence you should not have hope that eternally you'll be with God. Because the Bible is clear that Jesus is our hope. 
He's the only one that can secure you. He's the only one that can save you. He's the only one that paid the price for you. He's the only one that raised to life for you. He's the only one that gave you a heavenly calling. He's the only one that secures that heavenly calling. Jesus is the way to God. If you don't consider Jesus your confidence, then you should not have a confidence. If he's not your hope, then you should not have a hope. But today... Right here, in this moment, you can consider Jesus. Pay attention to Jesus. You can put your faith in Jesus. Maybe today, God, through the Holy Spirit, is is giving you a heavenly calling. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but, but I know for me, it was like a whisper to my chest. It was like a sweet, sweet whisper to my heart that says, come. Come. Let go of all that other stuff. Just trust. Put your life in me. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never done that and you just simply want to just, just take the burden off that says, I don't know if I'm right before God. And you just simply come and say, Jesus, I need you. I want you. I want to fix my life on you. Jesus, you're my only hope. Jesus, you're the only way. Jesus, you're better than anything that this world can offer. Jesus, help me not drift. Bring my heart, my eyes, my focus, my soul back to your plan, your purpose, your your salvation for me. Allow me to know, without a doubt, that you truly paid it all for me that I am truly yours, that I am secure in your house. Help me build my faith completely in you, Jesus. And Lord, show me, show me if there's any other way, any other thing that I'm chasing other than you, anything that I'm looking for to somehow make myself right before you, would you just simply crush that and Fill me up with your truth and your grace and your mercy. Show me your love, oh God. Jesus, I believe by faith that you're better. And Jesus, you are enough for me. I thank you, Lord. It's in your name. Amen. Amen.